I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. This topic, I got to tell you, preparing for this week, has been one of the most challenging things for me to think through. It is something, uh, as Daniel said, something we deal with often in organizations. And I think in many ways, uh, the whole concept of whole leader development, part of that is understanding how to deal with the realities of conflict. Um, So um, here here we go. As we talk about conflict, um, challenging. It's challenging because as I got into the research and the meaning of conflict, it was immediately apparent that it is one of the most necessary and harmful realities in our world. Uh, Conflicts are absolutely necessary for growth, and I'll unpack this in just a second, for growing up, for character development, and for others, and for us to experience. Our fundamental character, think about this, our fundamental character is the result of conflict. Um, Think about integrity and vulnerability. Some of you might think, not think of that as conflicting, but I think about uh, the integrity of, you know, of doing what I say I'm going to do, and at the same time of being willing to change what I do. It's kind of interesting. Courage and reluctance, or even courage and fear, that those things in our character, they occupy a, a strange conflicting tension sometimes. Self-preservation versus self-sacrifice. Like, what does it mean to to actually maintain that tension where us building up our own efficacy and our own conviction is important, but being willing to sacrifice. Conviction, by the way, and, and compassion is interesting. Being clear about what it is that, that, is, that I'm about and having that connective tissue into what you're about. Uh, so interesting. But also I think that, that this reality that while, while conflict is necessary, it's also, um, we have to be aware of the harm we're capable of doing to one another when conflict becomes what it's all about. Um, so here's, I want us to read a statement of hope. Here's the hope, I think, in this conversation. Um, our conflicts, both inward and outward, create the imaginative structures that invite hope into our future. Man, that is, my, my mind has kind of been torn up around this. That conflict both inward inside of us and outward between us create the imaginative structures that invite hope into our future. What in the world do I mean by that? When we lose our capacity to thoughtfully disagree in the short term, probably also in the long term, what will we say of hope? 
And one example of this is uh, if I know conflict will come, which I think most of us do, and I know I can't do it well, or that we can't do it well together, what happens to hope? Um, and one of the easiest examples is all of you who are married or know someone who is, you know, if you get to points, certain points in any relationship where it's like you feel like, is there hope that we can deal with the way that we are together? Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of the real part of this. In the wild conversation, we've we got to go there. Like, we got to get into this, this reality. Um, it's also interesting to think about this. What happens when conflict disappears? Um, does the, what happens to the growth part? What happens to learning? What happens to our willingness to put other people first or to consider that? Um, but also that when conflict becomes too much, that there is the possibility that we will default to something else. We will default to war or to peacemongering or di disappearing. So fascinating. So let's define it. Let's get into this. And also, I think this is, by the way, you got to allow me, please allow me to learn with you. This is not a wild conversation. It's not a place for me or anyone else to say, like, here's all the answers. You know, this is a place for us to wrestle with the reality of our humanity that works itself out so often in our organizations. So I want, one thing that got me thinking about is what is the difference between conflict and war? And, uh, and it's interesting because by definition, war is a conflict carried out by force of arms. So it's interesting because what it means, and conflict is, 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 is a disagreement, a dissonance, a difference uh, often expressed in words, a disagreement about what we believe, what we want, where we're going, who we are, and who we are together. And it, it's so, uh, it, you remove conflict or this conflicting part of us. And I, I'm, please hear me when I'm saying, I get it that some of us are in situations or organizations where it's too much. But I think it's also interesting to think about what happens when we start to dismiss away the conflicts. And so in many ways, you could think about it this way, or we could, is that too much conflict and we become defined by war. So conflict is, is um, that war involves conflict, but conflict does not always involve war. Um, and if we have too little, too little conflict, then we become maybe defined by the outspoken few interpersonally. So given that, Here's a couple of other things. And by the way, I just lay stuff out there that, that as we get into this, these things that are organizational realities we deal with, I dig into the research. It's almost like I was thinking about, you're like looking at a tree and I'm trying to sort of put fruit on the tree. And then you grab the stuff that you're gonna wanna talk about and let's get smarter together. A couple of other pieces that were, are fascinating about conflict from the psychological literature as well, is that we have intrapersonal conflict and we have interpersonal conflicts. There are, that we are conflicted oftentimes inside of us. Um, being, being internally conflicted is the experience of dissonance, um, a difference between two possible ways of thinking or solutions. You know what I mean? Like this is where that creative, when I talked about imagination, this is where that creative stuff kicks in. Um, it's a difference between our experience of the world and how we think or wish it should be. It could be a difference, um, quite literally in, a, in the psychological sense, a dissonance or difference between what we believe or what, we, what we're saying and what we're doing. And of course, you know, cognitive dissonance is one of the most powerful uh, theories out there. That's, that's the concept being when we experience it, we will reduce to, we will attempt to reduce it, which is fascinating. But what happens if we reduce it too quickly? I, 
Interesting, right? Um, so we have interpersonal conflicts. Well, inter interpersonal conflicts are, are the ones that we are most familiar with. But I think giving permission to the, they, these things are related. Things like, are, am I willing to admit to you what I'm wrestling with, even if it might make you think you're right? It's so fascinating. But let's talk about interpersonal conflicts, because this is the one that we are really, really familiar with. And, um, and this is that conflict between us. Um, and this is, this is just an absolute reality. Conflict is something that is, that is absolutely necessary. Now, here's what's interesting. I was thinking about this, and I was drawn into I got I got 17. My boys are 17 and 19 years old. And they grew up in a time where there was something that it was in elementary school, at least the, their public elementary school, that was not a part of my growing up. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Kelso's Choices. All right? The nine Kelso's Choices. I don't know if any of you are nodding right now. If I could look at a few of you are, like, you know what I'm talking about. If you had kids in a certain generation, I don't know if Kelso's Choices is still being used, but let me give you them that were taught to my sons. So they bring these choices home. They were asked to memorize them. So I'm, you know, as someone who would study leading under pressure and how people do this, I'm very interested. So here we go. Ready for this? All right. Wait and cool off. <laughs> Option one, go to another game. Option two, talk it out. <laughs> Share and take turns. <laughs> Sorry, this is great. It's great stuff. I don't know why it makes me laugh. Ignore it. <laughs> Um, walk away, tell them to stop, apologize. And the last one that I always thought was great. Cause I was like, when I was talking to my sons, when they were younger about this, like, what does this look like? Make a deal. All right. So, so I was talking to, uh, the wild team our wild leadership team about this and Megan on our team said, you know, what's funny about that list? There's nothing that says go to HR. There's nothing on the list that says go to human resources. It's almost like the whole list says for, and I get it for the teachers, like, take care of it yourself. Like, take responsibility for it yourself and figure it out. And it doesn't even say, I mean, probably did in the school systems, like how to escalate it. Some of you who are involved in education at that level know exactly all the answers. You're like, oh, Rob, I'll tell you what this is all about. So it's, it's interesting, like we were, I think the attempt behind this is to teach kids some, some, so what I would describe as conflict efficacy, like that there's something you could do about it, which is fascinating. Um, but it's also interesting to think about is, what does this look like in our organizational context? It's like we, we start to grow up and then without intention, we digress as adults. Kids know the rules, but the rules get a little muddy later. Kelso's choices become, it's interesting, I was thinking about this, Kelso's choices become two choices. The nine is reduced, like stand your ground and fight or make sure the fighting stops. <laughs> There's this fundamental thing of, are we able to continue to enter into conflict and, and see multiple options and pathways through it if it's, if it's a necessity for growth? And also being aware that there's more going on. So let's go, so let's go organizational now for just a moment. I've been talking about the sigmoid curve for quite a while. I want to I want to use the concept I I'm, this is I'm beg borrowing and stealing this from my brother. Um, and my brother always described when he he was one, he's one of the mentoring voices in my life and he would describe that the, one of the leader's primary jobs is not to minimize pressure or conflict but to manage pressure. 
And he would he'd always use the, uh, the pressure cooker as the example. So I want you to think about the stove for just a second, all right? Because it's fascinating. Some of you have heard me describe this. I describe pressure as this invisible force that tells you that something is changing. And then I also, you may have heard me say before that development by its very nature is change. When you look at the definition of pressure, physically speaking, it's when molecules start to bang up against the side of a container. And the more that those violent interactions happen, the pressure, the more the pressure is increased. So it's interesting because it never occurred to me, I'm connecting, and some of you know I'm an integrator. And so I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's fascinating. So pressure is in change and development are kind of about conflict. You know, it's when we're bumping into each other and it's the, the firmer we are, the more the, the pressure increases. And so when you think about that in an organizational context, it means our, if our job is to manage the pressure cooker, it means we've got to understand what this is all about. Like what's going on in that? And, and, and the reality for us when it comes, and this is where you think about all the psychological safety literature and you think about the organizational change literature. There's a deeper thing that's going on interpersonally and between us that's happening within our own psychology when it comes to change, it's happening in our organizations every day. And I think one of the, my points is this, if we step back and we say, what is this about? It might help us to actually manage these situations personally and organizationally. Because um, that pressure is, 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 is important. So think about it this way, that one of the things that happens and, and is under pressure, that what we found is that individuals will have a default tendency that individuals, uh, and kids will do this too, the, the things that Kelso's choices was kind of the strategies for how to deal with it, but the reality is what conflict is about is this, it's where interpersonally, my convictions bump into your convictions. And I would say probably more accurately, my opinions bump into your opinions. And what we work with leaders often on, and this is part of the, the tools that we use, is, is developing conviction but also developing that connective tissue. That's hard work. And here's the funny thing about the word conviction is that conviction, uh, I think that the root word is alentio in Greek, I believe. If there's someone who's a Greek scholar right now, I'm being corrected in the chat, but I think it's alentio and it, it, part of it means to literally cross-examine. So it, we don't actually get to have convictions until our opinions become cross-examined. So what's fascinating about that is that convictions are developed together. And, and this is what's even more, this, this bothers me when it comes to leader development. We know how important this is, is when the cross-examination stops, because cross-examination is conflict. I got corrected this morning by Daniel Halleck. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about here. And, and when you're cross-examined, right, that what happens when that stops? If the conflict goes away completely, if healthy conflict is not sustained, what happens when our convictions disappear? I, I don't even, some of you will have thinking about like, what happens in that kind of a space. So if, if this is, this is just, uh, so organizationally, the thing is, this is like, uh, conflict is this reality. The job of the, the, the leader is to manage that pressure cooker. It's getting a sense for how much pressure can the organization sustain? Because the reality is that some, some of you are working in organizations or have, or have or have failed at this because some of us have been through this where we failed at managing that pressure cooker and people are feeling they're burned out. They're, everything is emotionally laborious. 
They're having to work too hard emotionally to get any performance and they just have to go. It's like the, it's like the top blows off the pressure cooker. And so you work, some of you, I mean, I, this is where my heart goes. It's like, I know some of us work in the work or have been responsible for situations like that. But if we stepped back and we thought part of my key strategic job is to have my finger on the pulse of that pressure. It's like we're the chef. It's like we're the chef. If you, you know, I've been, I've been cooking more lately. I am not a great cook, but I'm learning. And so I'm cooking more. And I realize, like, if I turn around for one minute and I'm not watching that stove, right, my awesome half-baked harvest or whatever it's called, I'm trying to understand how to cook, becomes half-burnt harvest. Like, it's, it very quickly happens. So my job is to keep my eye on and my finger on the pulse of that pressure because with too little, we're living in a, in a false reality. We're also probably not creating and innovating and engaging in ways that have to occur. And if there's too much, we get burned out. And so my first thing is that is just that, is that that's our job. That's part of our job when it comes to conflict is not to make it go away. And it frightens me if we, and it's, frightens me. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but when we can no longer thoughtfully disagree to get to wisdom, and as leaders, we are we're the ones responsible now. We don't get to blame everybody else now. We're both, we are both in the system and are responsible for the system. So this is, so I want to, one last thing I want to finish with is this, like, here's my point. Grab whatever fruit you want. Hopefully it's not rotting on the tree. We grab whatever you think is important for you. But I think one thing is, is to see conflict more like a chef managing the heat switch on the stove, um, managing the pressure cooker and heat and, and the time. Um, being aware of your tendency. Like that's one of the other pieces that we, we, we have other podcasts and pieces you could listen to about that. But like, do I, do I go to war and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win? Like if the pressure comes on, or the conflict comes. Or do you kind of step back and you're like, I just want everyone else to feel like they won. You know who I'm talking about if you're, you're thinking about yourself. This, the third thing is this, is I think it is possible to create structures for help. It's, um, and it takes intent. And I know some, I just, I, I want to read just a couple of things. Some of you have this. I think Claire will put this uh, in there for you. But this is, this is our cultural charter. And I never occurred to me until I was preparing this week that, I, you know, I know what I think about this. I know why it exists and how important it's been to me. But that part of this is a conflict charter because conflict is a human reality. And those of you who haven't heard it, it's like these are a few things on the list. And one of the reasons I tell you this is because one of the reasons that this charter exists for us and we've been having other organizations we work with as they're using the toolkit and doing development is having there's been excitement about building their own charters is because of this. There's one on the, there's one of those team values on this list. It's toward the bottom and it says this fighting well. And it says this, the best answers come when we are honest and honesty sometimes involves conflict. And you know why this is on the list? This is for me personally. Anyway, the rest of the team could tell you what their why, because I don't. I, it's, and sometimes it's made me feel weak to say that. Like some leaders will be like, well, you must be a coward. Like, because I don't fight well. And so it was a necessity for me personally to say, like, could we build a culture where we fought well, where we got to better answers? But some of the, let me read you a few of the other things on the list. And you'll have, if you want to see a copy of this, it's just interesting. Like, this is a, 
it's a, it's a cool document, I think. Conviction, a willingness to lead strong. Forgiveness is in the team values. We were seeking to be a confessing team and willing to say we're sorry. Editability, willingness to edit. Fun, grace, availability, adaptability, emotional maturity, all these things that we are aspiring to that we are not. So, which gives me, leads me to my last thought is this. I, I do not know how we can deal with the reality of conflict well without a word that I, I, am, I am frightened would become dangerous in our culture because I don't know a better word yet is grace. And what I mean by that is this, when, if we lose our capacity to see the faults in ourselves and to own them, I, I feel like we bury our humanity. And so that uh, this concept that I need grace and I need to offer you grace because I'm aware of my need for grace is, is such a key part of this as well. So knowing it when you see it, managing the, managing the heat switch, thinking about what it means to set up structures for, uh, for what this looks like um, is important. Uh, as you jump into this conversation, this last piece I'll say is this. I think it is important to start to think about what it means to look for developmental readiness. Because part of developmental readiness, if development is change and change involves conflict, change readiness, conflict readiness, people that are, are, are able to go and enter into conflict and in a moment in their lives where they might be ready to do that. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.